hey, I don't know about all of you, but uh, I've had a lot of time on my hands to be caught up, uh, to get caught up on reading a lot of literature that's been out there in the, you know, with our dental publications. And after I've been reading several publications in the dental industry with regards to increasing production within our dental practices and mastering insurance protocols, I think it's safe to say the status quo with what has been taught for years is alive and well with many of the best thought leaders we have in the industry. (laughs) We begin our podcast right there. Computers are live. Mixer is up. Levels are good. Equalizer is good. Ready channels one and two. Mike is live in three, two, one. Roll it. Welcome listeners to the My Practice, My Business podcast, where we teach dentists and their teams how to reclaim forgotten profitability in dentistry with our clinical business of dentistry training. And now, the host of our show, the clinical director at My Practice, My Business, Dr. Rob Thorup. It's not my intention to call out some of our revered leaders in the dental field, but it is my intention to ask the question, why? Why do you continually promote antiquated business principles associated with dentistry that lack any understanding of how the real business world works. I'm going to talk about what I have just experienced over the last two weeks with the information that's being proposed from our thought leaders in regards to business principles that are supposed to bring forth greater salaries for each of us. Most importantly, I'm going to explain why their advice and conclusions could not be more damaging to all of us. Let's begin with one of my favorite publications that got me excited momentarily. The editor began a story on how being profitable is the most important consideration for your dental practice. The editor could not be more correct by stating the importance of profitability in the dental practice. But then I see their words on running a leaner practice with lower overhead and higher profits being a very difficult business model to accomplish, and I can't help to wonder if they ever read an insurance contract. I can't help but wonder if they, too, are living in the status quo of the business of dentistry. Once again, I, I do love this publication, and I turned the pages again to see another one of dentistry's thought leaders give his formula of what makes a successful dental practice. He talked about the importance of systems, new patients, tracking attrition. That's a big one. Uh, That's a personal one for me I love. Increased case acceptance and and not wasting a minute in the day. (laughs) And other traditional practice management protocols that have been taught for years. Again, don't get me wrong. All those topics are of great importance and are part of the clinical business of dentistry, office manager, and team training curriculum here at MPMB. But the topic that caught my eye was how the top practices continually analyze or should analyze the PPO plans they take, and how they determine whether or not to keep a PPO plan based upon the contribution that such plans have on the profitability of the practice. Again, more status quo with the lack of understanding on how truly profitable all PPO plans can and should be. At at my practice, my business, we do not teach our doctors how to look at the viability or quantification of a dental insurance plan, but instead we actually teach our client doctors 
how to discover, and office managers and team members galore, how to discover so many profitable procedures within the PPO plans they take. In other words, they can take them all and profit greatly from them. Sound too good to be true, right? On the contrary, we simply know how to be extremely profitable with PPO plans with everyday need-based dentistry. I guess you could say that, that we know things about dental insurance rules and regulations that thought leaders do not. And it all started with a simple question that I had back in 1991 with one of the major insurance players. I asked the right questions. I got the answers that I, the answer actually that I wasn't looking for, but I, I, wow, I got so much information from that general manager of that major insurance player that just lit up my world and got me so excited to do dentistry again. Well, it's, you know, it, it all has to do with, with underutilized CDT codes, but the creation of codes for technology. That's one of the things that we teach. As I continued flipping the pages, I know I probably lost half of you right there. As I continued flipping the pages, I came upon another article on how to improve our net revenue with everyday dentistry. And I absolutely love this author, and I was so excited to read what he had to say. But once again, I was disappointed with more of the status quo. In fact, it was suggested that the best way to increase your profitability on your dental procedures was to utilize multiple dental assistants to increase your speed of completing composite fillings and crowns, bridges, and, and even root canals. For those listening today who know me personally, you know what my follow-up investigative questions are to this multi-assistant engagement is. <laughs> if if 600 dentistry makes you more profitable, then why not eight? Why not 10, 12? Shoot, let's line up the patient with assistants around them to help us go faster. Maybe we should have two doctors working on the patient. And, and if, you know, if eight is even more profitable, you know, let's just, let's just take two assistants down each side. How much faster can a dentist possibly become with two assistants? In, instead of doing three composite fillings in an hour, let's just assume you can, you can now do five teeth, you know, five teeth in an hour. One surface, two surface, three surface composites. Let's just say it's a combination of, of all the above. In Utah, the typical direct operating costs per hour in the average dental practice runs about $689 per hour. That's the average here. We are typically reimbursed around $110 per two surface filling with the average PPO plan. Now, if you live in other parts of the country with higher cost of living indexes, the, I, I promise you, the, 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 percent, the, the percentages that I'm going to be talking about, the numbers will still jive because you might have a direct operating cost that's twice what it is here in Utah, but your reimbursement might be almost twice what it is here in Utah. So the numbers will plan out, they will, they will <laughs> they'll run parallel with each other, okay? It doesn't matter where you're at. That's what we've discovered. So I want you to stay with me here. Let's put, pretend we do five composite fillings at $110 per fill, which equals $550 of gross revenue, right? Five times 110, 550. But now your burn rate per hour in your practice, your direct operating costs to do business, to keep the doors open, is it $689? If you take $689 of burn rate minus your gross revenue of $550, you're still 
$139 in the red. Now, not even the hygiene department is going to rescue your lack of profitability on most cases because uh, even in the state of Utah with the exam profi and the bite wing films, uh, we're not even hitting $139. But I didn't even, that's just your burn rate to keep the doors open. That doesn't include a 30% corporate profitability, which most practices have no idea what, what I'm even talking about there. That's what businesses do. You have to have your burn rate plus a percentage on your corporate profitability, and that's where your actual direct operating cost per hour should come in at. So what if I were to tell you our clients here at My Practice, My Business, what if I were to tell you we actually average about $240 to $250 per two-surface composite fill on a PPO plan? Our doctor clients don't have to work their guts out and develop back pains leading to surgery at a young age. They don't have to go home beat up, dead, and tired. No, they can actually work at a pace that will cause them to maintain their health and sanity for the rest of their lives. They can actually do three composite fillings per hour and exceed their hourly burn rate. Where are the thought leaders in dentistry who understand and know what we do here at My Practice, My Business? How did that simple business principle escape them throughout the years? Oh, I know, I, I get it. They understand that we've got to be profitable, but nobody's talking about how to get there without working your guts out. I have my thoughts as to why they are clueless with these simple business principles, I hope clueless isn't such a harsh word. just means they don't know. But these are super smart dentists, super, super smart thought leaders in our industry. Who and how have they been deceived all these years? Who and how have caused them to be deceived all these years? How did it happen? Didn't they ask a simple question like I did years ago? Ugh. Unbelievable. Well, I have to tell you guys, even when I talked to these thought leaders years ago, when I knew this information, I would talk to them about it. They would look at me like, I'm crazy. I'm doing something wrong, illegal. It's, it's, it's uh, absolutely, you, you can't charge an upgrade fee. Well, our clients know you can. And the problem is, is all these thought leaders, there isn't, I can guarantee there's not one of them that's ever read a PPO contract, let alone the rules and regulations that are published on the, on the, the uh, website of any of these insurance companies. Does anybody see a problem there? I've told you guys before. Yes, I, I was a corporate pilot for several years, and I would never take off in an aircraft if I didn't know what was in the pilot operating handbook. That was a required read. Well, can I just tell you guys, if you're going to take a PPO plan, may it be a required read that you know the rules and regulations and that your office manager does too? So then moving on, I, then I read an article about how it's vital to use the proper codes for the procedures you do. What? Proper coding? Oh, no. That would actually require dentists and office managers and insurance coordinators to actually read the CDT code book from cover to cover. And may I suggest you do exactly that. Again, that's your other part of your pilot operating handbook to run your practice. You've got to know the codes. As you read the CDT code book from the ADA, may I suggest you look for opportunities and not obstacles. May I suggest you identify codes you are not billing to the patient that you perform each and every month, each and every day. 
And just because the patient's insurance company doesn't cover the procedure doesn't mean you don't charge for it. And what constitutes a proper code to bill for the patient to, to bill the patient for? If you read a CDT code that sounds like a procedure your doctor performs or doc that you perform, you should probably bill it out. If you go out and buy a book written by an author on the CDT codes we use, and it tells you that certain codes are to be bundled with other procedures and not charged to the patient, you should probably read that book with caution because the ADA themselves state that bundling is potentially fraudulent. Although there might be some good advice in such coding books out there, there is also a lot of misinformation in them. And why do dental offices get lured into buying coding books outside of the ADA's own CDT code book and the companion book that the ADA has? It's because they have not read the ADA's CDT code book from cover to cover. Many of these non-ADA coding information books were written by the same people who were taught a ton of misinformation when it comes to knowing how to submit CDT codes, let alone the codes you can and should use. I will even go as far as to say the very doctors whose names have been attached to those books never took a PPO plan in their entire practicing careers or took very few and really have never been in the trenches of PPO plans like we are here in Utah, Nevada, Washington, Montana, other, just, ooh, frustrates me. The blind leading the blind constantly, yet office managers quote these books as if they are canonized scripture of dentistry. <laughs> I have yet to train an office manager who doesn't have the intelligence to read the, UD, or to read the ADA's CDT codebook with their companion book if they needed it, who can't give as good or better of a definition and interpretation of the, of the necessary codes needed for billing insurance plans. Don't undersell yourselves, office managers. You just have never been told to read the CDT code book cover to cover. Please don't underestimate your abilities, my office manager friends, on what you can learn on your own. <laughs> the presumed limitations that are often propagated by these authors will only cost your practice profitable income. I could go into way more detail between the one-on-one -on -one conversations that I've had with many of them, and they just don't know what they don't know, yet they profess to be the experts in their fields. Don't believe it. Study it on your own. One comment I did see from one of the offers was to train the entire staff on third-party contracts in this, uh, in, in this publication. Amen to that. Any amount of cross-training is beneficial to the entire practice, another topic that we train on here at MPMB. In another publication I read this past week, the author advanced the topic that solo practices, solo practices like mine, are struggling for several reasons. Well, I'm, I'm not struggling, but that's all another story. But the author pointed out how, and I've heard this from many of our clients, that DSOs are placing the squeeze on all the solo practices out there and how insurance plans are worse than ever. Both of those statements are very true. DSOs have huge budgets to market to new patients and they have greater econ econ economies of scale, that the, meaning they can do more with less. But one thing they do not have on us solo practitioners 
is the person who owns the dental office is the desire for high quality all of the time because we are the owners and we have to please our patients. With that said, PPO plans will hamper quality all of the time since profitability and quality of materials potentially used is in direct conflict with their reimbursement rates. That's where my practice, my business comes into play. We can show you how to increase profitability with PPO plans using their very own rules and regulations. Yes, we actually study them. I know, sick minds, right? We actually read and study them because that's our business. We have to know that because we are the experts in that field and we teach our clients things that they are blown away with and never even knew and how they can be profitable on PPO plans. When your profit margins increase, you, you can afford to do higher quality. It's, this is like the law of physics. You can't get around it. So profitability means you can do higher quality and have money left over for marketing to people who believe in your thought leadership. Yes, my solo friends, you can easily compete with the DSOs. You just need to be shown how it can be done. That's why the solo practitioners are our main client base. Every time we try to teach a DSO-owned dental entity, it just becomes a, a pissing contest because I'm just a dentist and my wife is just an office manager. And that's what we want those stiff-necked business people to continue to believe. We choose not to work with arrogant business types who think dentists are dumb and don't know anything about business. All you solo and true group practices just keep coming our way and we will keep you competitive and we will train you and teach you business principles that even those DSO-ran programs have no idea about. And now for my absolutely favorite author of the year. <laughs> this docs article was centered around the benefits of not being fee-for-service. <laughs> I start when I read that I just had to start laughing because oh my gosh is that so that's so contrary to to what is out there with so many consultants unbelievable but I this is I relate with this guy the terms witty and irreverent they were those were adjectives that were used to describe him on his biography I immediately felt a connection with this colleague if only he knew what we know about being profitable with PPO plans he would just he would, he would just get so ecstatic, I'm sure. If he did, I'm, I'm not sure which adjectives would, would be added to his bio. It'd, it'd either be arrogant or humble. I'm not sure which one would, would be, but it'd be two extremes. And I, get, I guess based on his article, it would be fun for us to hook up with him at some point in time and teach him what we know. I enjoyed his perspective on fee-for-service docs versus PPO-driven practices. In my opinion, it's the PPO practices with a, with a blend of fee-for-service patients that, that tend to win the most. My practice, I am literally 90% PPO and 10% fee-for-service. Welcome to Utah. So where are the gurus of dentistry in regards to knowing how to experience profits and profitability with PPO plans and their patients we serve? It's obvious to me they are still stuck in the status quo of antiquated knowledge when it comes to knowing how to be profitable with PPO dental plans. To permit ignorance is to empower it. To do nothing as others proclaim absurdities 
is simply a crime of complacency. At my practice, my business, we are neither ignorant nor complacent. It's all about profit margins, quality of delivery, and other business principles that most of us in the dental field have no idea about. Systems efficiency, management protocols, and speed of delivery means nothing, absolutely nothing, if you are not profitable, if you do not have profit margins attached with the procedures you do. If you want a quick business turnaround after the shutdown is over from this uh, pandemic, let us teach you. Let us teach you our key business principles with our amazing technology that we have. I promise I promise you will not regret a minute of it. And our training is guaranteed. Nobody else does that. You just have to push the go button and give us a call. Well, God bless all of you during this pandemic. Our thoughts and prayers are with all of you and your families, and we hope that uh, we can get over this uh, troubling time in the history of our country and the world and get back on track. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the My Practice, My Business podcast. You can find additional podcasts you may have missed that will help you with your dental practice at Apple iTunes Podcasts. And remember to become a subscriber to our podcast. Many of you have asked how to help support the My Practice, My Business podcast. If you have enjoyed the program and information you received today, the best way to help is to leave us a five-star review. Thanks again for allowing us to be a part of your day.